Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director of Information Security Media Group. I'm here today on behalf of Lumension Security. The topic is securing financial data and systems through application whitelisting. And we're talking today with Brent Rickles, Senior Vice President, First National Bank of Bosque County in Texas. Brent, thanks so much for joining me today. Welcome. Glad to be here. Brent, to start out, just tell us a little bit about your institution and the security issues that you traditionally traditionally face with applications and with the web. We're a $95 million uh, in asset size bank. We're located in Central Texas near Waco. We have four locations, uh, about 40 employees, and so we have uh, servers and PCs spread over all those four locations. And we, uh, of course, are always concerned about protection from malware, uh, rogue websites, viruses or any type of things like that coming in through email or just being picked up at various places. We're concerned about people bringing them in on USB devices or on software they may have picked up somewhere else. So we just look at all types of areas and just try and be proactive and be as secure as we can. So I know that you use Lamention Security Solutions now, but what protective measures did you use previously? use a desktop antivirus software and we have uh, we still use antivirus on our email server and we have a web filter okay but clearly these weren't doing the job for you so what attracted you to this concept of what they call whitelisting and specifically to Lamention Security's endpoint protection solution we were a little um, it's a little frustrated I guess with desktop antivirus because it tends to be very processor intensive there's a lot to managing it, and it's a, a reactive technology. And we were we were hoping to find something better. Uh, antivirus technology has been around a long time. It's a good job on certain areas, and in certain areas, it, it it's not as it's not as good as we would like it to be. You know, it's you're you're always dealing with the unknown. You're always wondering if you're patched up correctly. You're always wondering if there's a if you're maybe missing the zero day virus. And so we went looking for a, a solution that would be more proactive in nature than, than antivirus technology, and that's where we ran across whitelisting and, and Lumensions to add to our protection. And one of the things we liked about it was is it was a very proactive product. You build a, a whitelist, a database of applications that can run on your network. It works, it works very well, and you're managing then the, a known universe. These are programs that I've said are okay to run on our network. They're programs the bank has approved. They're programs set. That's a very small universe of applications. I know what's in that universe. I can manage it. I can put it on my the whitelist and in that database versus antivirus where you're trying to manage an unknown universe. And you can never, ever know what's out there. And you can never build a complete database because it's never complete. It's just the way the, the way it works. The guys that write malware are always very busy at uh, making slight permutations in their products and changing things and morphing it, and they're, they've gotten very good lately about being able to do that very quickly. So that, that universe will continue to expand at a rapid rate, whereas the, the universe of programs that are known to us that we want to run is only expanding at a smaller rate. Okay, so Brent, so this concept of whitelisting isn't so much about keeping out all the bad guys you don't know, but it's about letting in the good guys you do know, so to speak. Exactly. 
We say this is the program that's allowed to run on my network, and it checks the data. It checks the database for any program, an executable or a DLL, and says, "Is this an approved program?" And then, if it is, it can run. Now, theoretically, that would speak to not just malicious things that might come in over the internet, but things that your employees might sort of innocently be trying to introduce too. Isn't that right? That's right. You know, anybody that brings in a screensaver that they want to run or just wanted to run a particular application or they think that uh, this is a neat thing to download from the from the web, all those kinds of things are blocked. It doesn't matter if it's good, bad. It makes no judgment on the type of program it is. The only judgment it makes is, is it an approved program or is it not? So you can even set the uh, entertainment, you know, the games and things in Microsoft Windows and say that's not an approved program. Nothing harmful about the program, but if you've decided... I don't want those to run on my network. You can keep them off. You can keep them off the whitelist, and they won't run. So it gives you a lot of flexibility in managing what will run on your network, what what is authorized. By the same token, you also have to make sure when you do patch something that you add it to the database first, or for installing a new program that is added to the database first. Otherwise, you can you may have administrative rights to the computer, and you can install the the program, but when you try and run it, it won't run. And even the setup files have to be authorized to run, so you can't you can't get completely through a setup file. Or if you replace, you know, if Microsoft replaces Word.exe with a new version in a, in a patch, and you haven't authorized the new version, it won't run because it doesn't doesn't make a list by Word.exe. It makes a hash of the file, and it's the hash that's in the database, and the hash is what the software looks at determining what can run and what can't. So you can't just, you know, somebody can't just spoof Word.exe and drop it onto my network and it'll run because it won't match the security hash the program is, has in place. So Brent, a couple of questions here. One is, when did you first deploy the solution? And since then, what kind of results have you seen and how do you quantify those results? We've been using the software about four years now, I believe. Uh, and, uh, we can look at I can look at log files. The program has an excellent log file utility, and you can look at log files and see what's running on the program, and you can see what's been denied. You you can tell it I want to see everything that's happened today, and it'll show you everything, or you can tell it only to show you what's been denied. There's a lot of different ways you can look at it. You can say what's been denied often this week, so you can see what's going on on your network. So you can see if there are malware pro- programs that are trying to get in or programs that an employee brought in that's tried to run and, and wasn't, or you can see what's, you know, just everything that's going on. And so we can look at that, and, and we haven't had any problems is how we quantify that. And I haven't seen issues that we've had to deal with. We haven't had any haven't had any fires we have to put out. It just works very well for us. Brent, do you see any difference in sort of the behavior of the, you know, the rank-and-file employees now that this, this level of security is on the system? We've done a pretty good job of, of, of teaching people about what they they should and shouldn't do, but yeah, there's always somebody that's uh, that's pushing the envelope a little bit, and not necessarily intentionally. They just don't think about it. But most people know the drill and they understand, and they like it. It gives them a feeling of protection, and it gives them a feeling of knowing that everything's taken care of, and that the bank is the bank is taking steps to protect you know protect their computer, and they don't have to worry that you know if they do something that you know unintentionally that they're not going to corrupt the bank network, and they like that. They like knowing that, you know, it gives them a safety net. Because there's a lot of people that will try and trick you into a run, you know, running a program, or you might run across a website that you, you know, uh, 
maybe infested with malware that you didn't know about, and that just gives you a little extra extra feeling of, of of security to know that there's something in place that will keep that from going on. Now, in terms of regulatory compliance, what issues do you feel you have, have addressed with this solution? And I'd be curious what reaction you get from your examiners. We've, um, of course, it gives us uh, a good protection from from malware and. That's something the examiners want to know that you have something in place to do that. Uh, we also, through the database, you can separate your users into groups, and so you just like you would uh, in the you know Microsoft Windows Active Directory or something like that, you can break them into to groups, and you can say this group can run this program, this group can run that program, and these other groups can't. So the audit staff can run programs that only the audit staff needs to run. And it also has the ability to monitor and restrict USB devices. So you can completely prohibit USB devices. You can only allow certain USB-type devices. And you can set the system up to monitor and log any files that are transferred. So that gives you protection from any files leaving the banks that uh, uh, that aren't authorized. And, and even those that are authorized, you have a record of and You know what was transferred, and you can see what was what was done. And examiners really like the program. They like the idea. They like the, of the restriction. It's an extra. It's a it's a bump up, and they can see the the advantages to that, and they can see how that's giving us extra control over our network, and we're being very proactive about what we do and how we guard the network. And examiners like you to be proactive. They like you to be taking those steps in in whatever area you're doing. They like you to to see that you're you're trying to to stay in front of problems and and get ahead of things. Brent, last question for you. In terms of some of the challenges that banking and security leaders like yourself face, including securing and protecting sensitive information and systems from targeted threats, at the same time enhancing network bandwidth and user productivity, looking at these sort of sea of challenges, what advice would you offer to other banking and security leaders facing these? Well, I'd certainly recommend that they take a look at Lamention Security's endpoint protection solution it's really worked well for us. I feel like we've gotten a lot of benefits out of it. I think it offers a lot of security and would solve a lot of problems for people. I think you also have to look at uh, having multiple layers of protection and, and having the, the type of products in place that can can protect you from as many different things as possible. Uh, everybody likes set it and forget it technology, but that doesn't really exist in this area. You have to have you have to be proactive about what you're doing. You have to to know what's going on on your network, and you need products that can help you do that. And this is a product we've been very successful with and has helped us in that in that regard. Excellent. Brent, thank you so much for your time and for your insight today. You're welcome. Again, we've been talking with Brent Rickles, Senior Vice President of First National Bank of Bosque County in Texas. The topic has been securing financial data and systems through application whitelisting. For more information on this topic, you can visit www.lamention.com. Again, on the behalf of Information Security Media Group and Lamention Security, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.